Blog Talk Radio. Good. How are you? Great. Hey, Jeffrey. Right. I'm doing good. How are you? 
Yeah, awesome. And I need one more voice. I'm great. I'm great. I'm doing well. How is everybody doing tonight? Good. 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 All right. So on the line, I have three amazing men, and I'm going to introduce you guys, and I want you to tell our listening audience a little bit about you and your involvement within the STEM industry. I'm going to start off with Rock. Hey, so I'm Albert Rocker. Um, I live in Los Angeles, California, and uh, I work for Microsoft as a cloud productivity specialist. And essentially my role um, at the company is selling uh, Office 365, which is our productivity platform to uh, medium to large-sized businesses. And outside of uh, my everyday job, um, I'm writing a book titled Do It Anyway um, uh, with a sole focus around um, hopefully inspiring kids and uh, millennials to aspire beyond their current reality. Um, and then uh, I'm also starting a nonprofit titled Aspire Beyond um, with a similar mission and helping kids and getting involved in the communities where we, we see fit um, and helping them aspire beyond some of the, um, the circumstances in their environment that they're in today. So. Okay. Wonderful work. Awesome. <laughs> All right, next we have Jeff. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, of course, your impact in the world of STEM. Great, great. Yeah, I'm Jeff Beckham. I own Black Box Creative Incorporated. Uh, it's a web design and mobile application company, design company we started in 2009 that focuses on making and improving um, design and providing enterprise-quality design for companies, primarily in the urban African-American community. We work with everybody from Tuskegee University to Link Unlimited Scholars and Trinity United Church of Christ. So uh, that's my focus in terms of business. Um, outside of that, I also am uh, the elected local school council representative at King College Prep, where my entire focus is improving the STEM education curriculum for King. I also serve on the board of Foundations College Prep, which is uh, a school that's uniquely positioned in doing some great things in STEM in the Roseland communities and a uh, member of the 100 Black Men of Chicago, um, which, again, working with them in terms of their technology reach using social media to disseminate information about our uh, college scholarship fair, our toy drive, and other programs, our mentoring programs the 100 have uh, throughout the city of Chicago. Okay. Very impressive. <laughs> Next we have Sam. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, I go to ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name is Sam Majarco. I am a high school teacher. I teach C++ computer programming and video game design uh, to uh, to the youth. Um, I'm also a nonprofit operator. I have uh, a nonprofit called the 18 Educational Consulting with Response uh, to Intervention Services. The goal is to provide culturally responsive professional developments to educators, um, to educational stakeholders, have you, so they are uh, more adept at dealing with our students. I'm also one of the coordinators for our uh, mentoring program at the school, A Few Good Men, where we have upwards of 100 um, African-American boys where we um, go over, like, etiquette, um, character development, service learning projects, getting them um, acclimated with their role and their expected duty or expected contribution as a um, citizen in the global community. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's essentially awesome. it for me. Okay. I love awesome. the work that you guys are doing. It's just an amazing panel. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to call us at 516-666-9820 or tweet me. I just got a question from Quentin. He wants to know, what is STEM? 
And I'll just write that down for you real quickly, and if anyone on the panel wants to take it to that next level, feel free. But STEM is just a general acronym for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Anybody want to add anything on to that? Uh, you you essentially you essentially covered it in a nutshell. Um, it's um, a concentrated um, initiative to increase the exposure for students in this in this realm. They recognize that America is is not thriving um, in this field. We are um, coming up, you know, in last place in a lot of uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics related. Um, competitions, educative competitions, business competitions, and things of that nature. So it's been a push for that, especially um, getting STEM in the hands of young girls because it's it's, um, almost systemic that uh, girls have been excluded from this. And research shows that people who write music and women, who the way they process logic will thrive in, in areas like this. So, that that's my contribution as far as uh what they mean when they're talking about STEM. Mhm. I would like to know how each of you was actually introduced to the world of STEM. I want to know if it was through elementary school or did someone tell you that hey, if you want to be profitable a few years from now, get into the world of STEM. I want to start this off with Jeff. Can you let us know how you were introduced to it? Yeah, so my dad set me down in front of a Atari when I was like four years old. He was actually um, a, a tech guy um, back in the day, fixing kind of like TVs in the 70s and early 80s. So when I was five, he set me down in front of an Atari. Um, that kind of kicked everything off. I would take apart TVs and radios when I was a kid and figure out how to put them back together. It kind of, the coding part happened at around 12 uh, when we got a, a computer. It was the first one we got in the family. and um, I think I broke it trying to install a video game. It was Michael Jordan in flight was the game, I remember. I broke the, the machine. Um, my dad and I had to sit and figure it out. At the time, he wasn't in, in the computers, nor was I. But from then on, we both kind of got the bug. And from 12, I'm 35 now, so it's 23 years later I've been coding um, that long. And so really it was my dad, his exposure early on, and then um, finding the opportunity and him, him sacrificing him and my mom both to put me into programs in school and outside of school to teach me how to code. And that was really, um, that's my, my coding uh, foundation story. Okay. All right, what about you, Rock? Yeah, so I, you I think, uh, no, you can call me Rock. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, um, I kind of stumbled into STEM, you know, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I, I coming from Georgia Tech, I was a business major, um, not, nece- not necessarily um I didn't have necessarily a focus or a passion for engineering, so um, I was always business-minded, and you know, I started my first company when I was 12 years old. Um, so I took that path, and then, you know, I, I did a couple internships in sales, so I always knew that I wanted to be in sales in some capacity. Um, and following that, you know, uh, George, uh, at Georgia Tech, we had a career fair in Microsoft, along with a number of other technology companies were on campus. And, um, you know, I just, uh, after talking to the recruiters and seeing the opportunities that, um, the company, the technology companies had, um, I just grew a passion for it from that point on. You know, it wasn't something that I developed as a kid. And then from that point, you know, um, being in the industry and working at Microsoft and being involved in, in so many different um, technology capacities and having to deal and learn about, you know, this ever-changing technology world, um, I've just grown 
uh, to, you know, have a stronger interest in it, you know, every every day, you know. So um, for me, it was something that I kind of fell into, but now it's such a huge part of my life, and I couldn't see myself in any other industry. Okay. All right. What about you, Sam? Um, my story is um, a little bit different. Um, I am the son of immigrants who first came, you know, here in 1980. So I kind of had that pressure, like, you're going to school for something that's going to make money. I had a cousin who uh, was a network engineer for the Center of Disease Control. And so, you, you know, I had constant, like, pressure, so to speak, to go into this field. So I didn't, I wasn't even really receptive to the field initially because it felt like, you know, like I said, being pressured into it. But what I noticed when I was at, at school, uh, when I was in, um, enrolled in my applied computer science courses, I was like the only minority in all of my classes. And when I would go talk to, um, like, counselors or talk to anybody to get, like, assistance or direction, instead of them offering the assistance or the direction, they would try to get me to, like, switch my major. So Mm -hmm. part of the reason why I got into STEM was because there weren't enough blacks, and it pissed me off. So um, even though the, you know, coursework was difficult for me, um, I didn't have, like, you know, uh, listening to these other brothers speak, I, you know, I was I was smart, you know, I was valedictorian, things of that nature, but I, I really wasn't focused on, you know, the uh, mechanics of of or of like taking out taking apart radios and computers and things of that nature, and um, I didn't really, I guess, embrace STEM until college. I was more of a writer, you know, I I, I embraced like the creative arts and writing and things of that nature, but I had a conversation with someone. Um, and, you know, th- to uh, bring it uh, full circle, I had a conversation with someone who was talking about, like, um, it's, it's sort of like a story in the Bible as far as, like, they were uh, a group of people who weren't able to thrive because they weren't able to communicate uh, certainly. And it's not the, sto- the Tower of Babel. It's another story. And it just had me thinking about, like, our students, kids who look like me, who won't be able to thrive in a global community because they won't be able to have this conversation. They won't be able to talk about STEM. Like we have adults who are coming, who are calling and questioning, like I haven't even heard of the acronym before. So imagine um, what black and brown students who have not been exposed to this in the slightest are going, are, are will be faced um, in, in, in the world as far as in, in different industries, as far as trying to compete and get jobs with Microsoft, Google, or Apple. So I felt like it was my duty to um, introduce it. Like I'm one of the – it's only two other teachers who are certified to teach this in my entire school district, and I make certain that I fill my classes up with the black and brown students. Hmm. That's amazing. I have a question from Jasmine. She says, how can we increase the level of exposure young people have to STEM? And she wants your opinion on why do you think we are lacking in the field overall? I guess lacking a presence. Anyone want to take that on? Well, I, I just, uh, um, and I, I think I'll kind of tackle the, the second part of that. I, I think a lot of the, the lack is due to exposure. So um, the opportunities in our schools and I'm serving in the schools in Chicago, I see it time and time again. I, I went to school in the suburbs, so coming in and moving to the city and then serving in the schools, I've seen a disparity um, between both sets of schools. And so it, it's definitely something that's there. And then there's this perceived fear 
around STEM mm-hmm. that it's something that our, our kids kind of put this barrier up to that they can't learn it. Um, and that, again, comes from just being exposed to it. We did a course, uh, we did a, a seminar last year with uh, the Common Ground Foundation, uh, rapper Commons Foundation here in Chicago. We taught the kids like an intro to HTML, and they loved it. The girls actually loved it more than the guys, and they were getting into exactly. it. Oh, how, how can I change the color of this? How can I make this like this? I've seen this on the site. How can I do this? And by the end of the class, they were so engaged with something that they thought was going to be very hard in the beginning, and I think that that's, that's really the key, like just getting them in front of the computer or getting their hands on uh, this tech or a 3D printer, whatever it is, getting them in front of it and finding their, their, their thing in tech. I tell, you know, all the young people I work with now, you don't have to be um, a coder, but maybe you're a graphic designer. Maybe you're the business strategist, the brain that can think the ideas through from start to creation. Maybe you're the project manager, but there is a yep. place for you here right. somewhere, and it's just finding where that place is by exposure. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And to not to piggyback, again, that's, that was part of the reason why I felt compelled to teach it. Like, I, I don't look like corporate America, right? At, like, I wear Jordans to school, varsity jackets, things of that nature, but I still have the body of knowledge. I still have the masses and the bachelor's degree and applied computer science, like, and also all of that kind of thing. But because there is, uh, uh, like, like the gentleman who just spoke said, there is this, like, uh, fallacy-filled interpretation of their role within the world where they don't think that science, technology, engineering, and, ma- and mathematics is for them. So for them to see someone who kind of looks like them or looks like their big brother or looks like, you know, their favorite rapper or something of that nature, right. and they come, right. in, they come in and they show them, like, oh, STEM is cool. Like, you know, like, let me show you what you can do. Let me show you how to access the source code to your favorite um, website, and you can, like, you know, like manipulate it so you can really tailor it to your, your, your um, specifications and things of that nature. They have they, – they they don't know what they can do because they haven't been exposed to it and and to a certain degree I think the latter part of the question was why is why is STEM not being exposed to our students as as, as much as uh, the other uh, uh, are getting exposed and I say other is other races is because of the disparity in the resources and the agenda for the schools so like a school in Inglewood. Uh, or you know, I hate to pick up Inglewood or Rose, Roseland. Right, right there, they're not going to get the resources a school in Evanston gets because they get the money from property taxes and things of that nature. So right there, we're talking about they're not going to have a computer lab. They're not going to have a Mac one. They're not going to take advantage of a Mac one on one initiative and have you know all of this uh, you know uh, available technology for the for their students because their role or their agenda for that school is to. Um, pretty much serve as a babysitter, they, they don't have an agenda where they're thinking of in, incorporating STEM. They don't want to utilize the money or the resources to buy a, a, a 3D printing machine when they could get another uh, school resource officer. Hmm. So the focus for our kids has nothing to do with their future. It's more so as how to corral them day to day. And if that's the agenda, then you almost are certain Certainly not equipping them with what they need to thrive in a global community. Mm. Matt, you want to add something onto that? 
Yeah, no, I think Jeff and Sam, you guys did a great job of summing that up. You know, I have my own personal experience in coming into, you know, Microsoft, which is a predominantly white culture. And, um, you know, at first, you know, coming out of college and coming into a big software corporation, you feel like you have to kind of conform to um, what they probably think you should be doing, right? I mean, you just mentioned wearing Jordans and being yourself and being able to express yourself and be accepted within, you know, this whole industry, this whole culture. And, um, you know, I kind of found myself thinking thinking about, hey, what should I wear? What, how am I being perceived, et cetera, to where now that I'm growing into my career and I feel comfortable in my role and I've, I've established, you know, reputation and a brand at Microsoft that is, you know, is pretty solid. It allows me to, to really just be myself and I'm able to relate more to um, some of the kids that I go talk to at the Boys and Girls Club of Venice um, because I can wear joggers and some – some Nike Roshis and, and be totally right. Right. right? Yeah. Right. So, and, and I think that's key because I felt like it was kind of like, you know, I got sleeve tattoos or whatever. I felt like I was covering something up, but now that, you know, I feel, I feel comfortable within myself and I feel comfortable with what, how I'm doing at work. It's allowing me to open up and I'm excited about that next year because, you know, it's really like, like almost like to where I'm, 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 I'm able to express myself the way, I would have originally or whatever and get the same respect because, you know, results are key and people see that I'm a diligent and hard worker and I put up numbers. So now I'm able to be myself and grow into um, the person that I could have been at the beginning. But, you know, it's a sensitive topic and it's a sensitive sensitive subject just dealing with corporate America. But, you know, having to ease into that was kind of hard for me, but now I feel really comfortable about growing into that. Brother, let me me interject. Like, we, we need you. We, like we need, we needed you to to code switch because, like for example, like I've been in education for eleven years, and my super militant ways have kind of like been an impetus for me to get certain positions where if I would have gotten a position, now I can exact my agenda and do more beneficial things for our people. So it's it's very important that you did it the way you did and and got the ascension that you you need it and are able to utilize Microsoft's brand to talk to our kids to validate what you're saying. So I, I, right. I, I, I had to say this piece because I don't want you to feel like you did something wrong or you were like hiding something. It is necessary for like, you have the ability, you have the power of discernment. So you were able to recognize like, yeah, this I, I'm cold switching at the moment for mm-hmm. a greater good, not cold switching because you turning your back on black America. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <clears throat> So, like, right. kudos, brother, like, for real. Ooh, I don't know about anybody else, but that was like a hand-waving church moment right there. I absolutely love that. <laughs> I love that testimony. Oh, because we need it. We need yeah. it. Like, in order in order for us to adequately uh, uh, secure the resources, secure the things that we need for our people, everybody can't be a tanker. Some people got to be snipers. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. And that's just it. That's just the fact of the matter. Like, everyone and can't it, be with a bullhorn. Some people have to be eloquent, you know, uh, uh, eloquent with the pen. Right, right. And, and it's so interesting, man, just seeing the dynamic fully come full circle, you know, to where, um, you know, I'm bringing myself and my culture to the workplace now. You know, I had a couple guys the other day ask me, like, what are those pants that you have? And I was like, you're joggers. <laughs> He's like, oh, where do I get those pants at? You know, it's like, they 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 want to they want to emulate that black African American culture that hip hop culture that they feel like is cool that they know nothing about but they just want to be connected right. to it because they feel like that's cool. Right, right. 
But again, it goes back to agenda. Like they want to be down, and we want to right. utilize it to inc- like they want to be down. And we want to utilize it to bring our people up. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. You know, like you don't have to. You don't have to betray who you are. You don't have to. Like success doesn't look one way. That's the one thing right. that I, like, I try to stress to my kids. Like success doesn't look one way. Your personality may call for a shirt, tie, slacks every day. I like jeans, you know. But when you get to Google, when you get to Apple, when you get to Microsoft, everyone's wearing different things because success doesn't look a certain way. We, we all don't drive the same thing. We all don't eat the same things for lunch. Like, I was just reading about how I'm going off on a tangent. I was just reading how, like, Clay Thompson signed his $82 million contract extension and celebrated by going to Chick-fil-A, whereas someone else <laughs> is going to think, I got to go to, you know, I got to go get lobsters and all of this type right. stuff. So success doesn't look a certain way, but our students think success looks like conservative white America. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So it is important for us to, like, infiltrate and then, you know, like stick our thumbs out, like, ah, we got in, we made it, and let me show my people how. Right, right, right. <laughs> I have a comment from Trevante. He says, I feel that minorities are suppressed from the world of STEM because of the financial gain that STEM, no pun intended, <laughs> will provide within the field. So that that's a pretty deep Comment. So well, I guess he's saying that we are not introduced to STEM on purpose to make sure that we aren't allotted that opportunity to grow within an industry that could provide financial wealth for us. Yeah, I, I, I think there's some truth to the systemic racism that um, is, is played out in part with regard to STEM, but I think that's any industry that you can make windfall profits. They're not coming in schools and teaching you about stocks and, and how to be a hedge fund manager either. So it's mm-hmm. not just them. Um, but, but that's where it's absolutely important to do what the brothers just said we have to do, each one teach one. I don't want to use that cliche term, but it's real. Like Talented 10th, WB was right. Yep. We have to go back and educate because it, it, it's vital for the, the for our people. Um, for those of us that understand the opportunity that STEM provides, we have to go, go teach because, you know, STEM is the one thing, and I tell people this, STEM is like the one thing, especially like you talk about low barriers to entry. If you have an idea and you have the diligence and the patience to go learn it, you can build it. Like I, I mean, I teach young people and all these brothers do about like the app development game. And now you don't even have to like really uh, be that technically savvy to, to to learn how to do some of this stuff. You can you can use Pixate and some other tools out there to, to like literally mock up your app. Pitch with a PowerPoint presentation, and if you're you're good enough to sell it, you can get the money to actually build it. I mean, I know yeah. people that have done that here in Chicago successfully now, um, African American women and men that are doing that, and they're getting okay. the financing. And if the idea is good enough, people will get behind it. And now we're we're getting smart enough as our own, you know, as our as a people, and as crowdfunding laws have changed in the state of Illinois and even nationally and other states, and we're building our own funds, we're pulling our own monies together. Even in, even in lower-income neighborhoods where it may not be mom or uncle with the 250 k like in some neighborhoods that don't look like us, but it might be 15 of us that have 15 k that can put behind this app or this idea to get this thing to launch. So, yeah, you're right. The, the, 
the um, the systemic oppression and racism behind why they're not teaching us um, has has why our schools and and you know neighborhoods aren't equipped with those educational opportunities. Those are real, but now hey, those of us that get it, and it's quite a few of us that are getting it and understand it and know it, we're going back yeah. and we're going to teach all we can. And I'm seeing these kids. These kids pick it up, man. In, in school, in eighth grade, my nephew's ten. You know, I, I I put him in front of uh, some some Khan Academy stuff early. He's already picking it. Uncle, how do you do this? Oh, okay, so this is how you do this responsive set of code. It's him. Yeah. Like, once you get that bug, like it, 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 it can really take off. And if we teach them the right methods, they won't have to go to anybody for funding. They'll have it themselves. And they exactly. can run their own apps and this is how we this is how we really redevelop and reshape community. I believe STEM is one of the core um opportunities yes. in in the entrepreneurship field in particular to rebuild our communities across the country. Um yes. and, and we have to get engaged and involved in it. So yeah, that, that that's my my thoughts on that. I think that yeah, he's right. I mean the, the comment's yes. correct. But we can we can work around that. We really yes. can. Okay. And, and, and to add to, to that, it's... Wait, hold on. Oh, one I'm sorry. That's okay. I want to bring Xavier live. He's one of our panelists. He's only going to be with us for a few moments. Hey, Xavier. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm good. Thanksgiving. Yes, Thanksgiving. So, again, to all our panelists, thank you so much for taking time out to be a part of JL Radio on Thanksgiving. So, Xavier, tell us a little bit about yourself and your introduction to STEM. Sure. Uh, so, my name is Xavier Ramey, Senior Assistant Director for Social Innovation and Philanthropy over at the University of Chicago. Um, I essentially work on uh, projects and experiential learning opportunities to bring students into an understanding of how they can improve the social fabric of the city uh, through government, nonprofit, and corporate social responsibility initiatives. So as it relates to STEM specifically, we're looking at how can we attract more and more engineering students, potential computer science students, uh, to be interested in using their skill set, using their knowledge set, uh, to improve the social fabric, not necessarily to create a product um, that is, you know, traditionally STEM-focused, like perhaps to create the next Facebook, um, but more so to look at the social ills of the city, like homelessness and poverty, um, educational disparities, hunger, these types of things. And how can the, the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics fields play a role, a really substantive role, in changing uh, the dynamics within either the service delivery, the program model, the measurement framework, or the funding uh, mechanism for those those issues. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely mind-blowing work. Uh, can you give us an example of how you actually go about engaging the youth in this way to basically broaden their aspect of the industry and how it can yeah, I mean, improve their community? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's not necessarily community-based. We're looking at the city broadly, and we're looking at issues broadly um, and how they affect any type of neighborhood um, outside of specific demographics and whatnot. So really we go about uh, soliciting different organizations or companies across the city uh, to see what they're working on, uh, see how their, how their business models work and where students can be involved uh, to either learn about how these things work, and then they come back to me and we sort of think through how they could build something from that. Um, that, that in some way improves the social world. Because, a lot, I mean, to be quite honest, a lot of the, the businesses that are in, 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 in this right now, um, you know, a, a social slant is not the priority of their work. Um, if they build something like a Facebook 
Um, if folks build something like a Facebook or an Apple, which are, I mean, admittedly, those are extreme, um, you know, the purpose of that is not necessarily to, to improve humanity in some way. A lot of it is about monetization and, and, and driving business. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we're really looking at how do we start to, instead of looking at these things uh, sequentially and saying I'll build my business and then I'll figure out how to help, looking at creating a concurrent path. Uh, so I really challenge students through to provide for them uh, discussions, cohort reflections, um, these types of things, to think about how the work that they're doing through the partnerships that the university links them into can be translated into something that is ingrained within the business model uh, today, not like how can we do this if we reach a certain amount of, of profit and then we'll think about these things. We're really thinking right. about how do we embed this in today. Mm-hmm. How can someone actually get in touch with you or find other resources with um, programs that are similar to the work that you're doing so that they can bring more youth to it and introduce it to them? Well, well, to be quite honest, all of the programs that I do are actually only for University of Chicago students. Um, I'm based out of the Campus and Student Life Office, and so our, our job is to really improve uh, or enhance the student experience through substantive programs and projects. Um, but it's, it's just like if you go to any college, it's, you know, it's for the students who are enrolled. So the external students we engage often through partnerships, but they're not often the direct uh, focus of our department. Um, but, uh, you know, companies and, and, and individuals can always reach me, my Twitter handle, Xavier Ramey, X-A-V-I-E-R-R-A-M-E-Y. Um, they can email me on my university email, xramey at uchicago.edu. Okay. Any words of advice for anyone out there um, on how to actually prompt or introduce you to STEM in a way that they might be inspired and not intimidated by it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all example. You know, it's, it's, it's introducing them to engineers and computer scientists and folks involved in the field um, who, who have such a fluency with it that they can talk about it simply. You know, when, you, when, you, when I talk to some app developers, it's incredible how simple it seems to me um, when they talk about it. You know, if I go online and read something, I'm like, this is the most complicated thing ever. I don't know what these codes are. I don't know what this I mean, you look at the, 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 the page and you turn it from the, the, the visual that we always see that might be the, our email page or, or our Facebook timeline page, and then you look at how it looks in coding, and it just looks crazy. Um, but there's a logic to it. And when, when people who are fluent in these things, um, who know how to synthesize that and bring it down to layman's terms, talk about it, that creates the connection that, that people can latch on to. Um, and I, I really, you know, I talk to some of my friends who work at, you know, places like Lucent Technologies and such, um, or AT&T, and, and, and they're on that STEM side. And it's, it, you know, how, I keep trying to figure out how do we get more, primarily for me, especially people of color who are in these fields, um, who, can, who have a fluency to, to, to use, to break this down in layman terms for young people, as, as well as adults, you know, because, right. you know, I, I really think that when you talk about where is the power today, it's at the adult level. Adults can be retrained. Adults can vote. Adults, mm. can, adults pay taxes. You know, kids, are, you're looking at a 10-year payoff when you're talking about investing in the next generation. Um, but we're talking about a more immediate, maybe a two- to three-year payoff if we start really looking at how do we invest in the 18 and over crowd, maybe the displaced youth or the, the, the kids who uh, dropped out of high school 
but you know they got a little bit of work experience, but they don't really have a career interest. Um, you know, we really have such an opportunity to engage them. Mm-hmm. I I, I want to interject uh, a little bit. I, yeah. I don't know about um, like I teach high school, and um, so I, I do that. What you're, you're speaking about is like finding a, a more culturally responsive way to introduce them to our students and things of that nature. Yeah. And I do think um, you made you made a statement about like it's easier to like retrain adults uh, to to a certain degree. But I think the issue that happens with STEM is. Um, it's a lot of us who, how can I put it, like, we don't necessarily ask the students, we don't we don't assess prior knowledge, so, so to speak, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when I'm, when I'm teaching my students and I'm going over systems analysis and design and things of that nature, I teach them to a certain degree, like, you already know this, you just didn't know that the terminology of systems analysis and design is. So we might talk, right. we might start a conversation with, like, who's your favorite rapper? And then how do you determine who these favorite rappers are and what factors are you utilizing mm. to assign a grade and things of that nature? So I'm affecting the way that they think. I think it's, it's more beneficial that we invest in, this, in the youth because they're not so – there's no rigidity in the way that they think, right? Whereas old, the older uh, sect is, is sort of like un, unwaveringly, unwaveringly biased to how they process information, to how they were taught, to their vocabulary and things of that nature. So um, uh, it, 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 it also um, speaks to a point that uh, you, you weren't um, part of the panel at, at, at the time. There was a question about like systemic, uh, uh, systemic reasoning why we are kept from STEM. And I say that... Why we are what? Systemic, why we are why uh, minorities are kept from STEM, kept from STEM topics, kept out of the STEM um, um, conversation. I took my students to Tech Week. It was 600 um, people competing for a grand prize of like a couple of hundred thousand dollars for startup money, and there were a total of six minority um, companies there. I right. think this, it's it's a it's an issue that's systemic simply because in STEM. It's one of the very, very few industries where I don't necessarily need the degree to be rich. Once I demonstrate right. mastery and come up with an app or come up with a product right. and, and people want to buy it, I'm, I'm there. So I do think there, yeah. is, um, there is a concentrated – it might be a byproduct. They may not even have been, been cognizant of it, but there is a, a, a piece to this system that keeps minorities away from STEM even uh, when you when you're talking about uh, about gender, women essentially is because we want to kind of retain this 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 stream of income, this unending stream of income for ourselves. Like I have to, I have to I have to be certified or finish the degree to be to go into medicine, to go into science, to go into chemistry. We have ten year old millionaires off of apps. There was a kid who made a, a version of whack-a-mole called Bustin' Bieber. Instead of you having the mole that you had to press, you had Justin Bieber's face. Ninety-nine cent an app. A hundred thousand dollars. A hundred thousand sales later, he's a hundred thousand there at ten. Yeah. Mm. Imagine if, if if this information was like. Imagine if you go into Inglewood right now, and I'm like, I can show you how to make a hundred thousand dollars in less than a month without having to touch a, a, a bag of crap. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I say it often, man. I say that our goal has to be in our community to, to either become the next Mark Zuckerberg or to create them. And I don't mean just building Facebook. I mean, when we build that individual, though, they also understand the need and the call for social responsibility and social justice in our community. So you, you're exactly. taking the, the funds that you get from this from this field and you're giving back to rebuild community. Um, and, and it's just something that's so necessary, man. I work with a program called Independent Youth um, in Chicago, and kind of I spoke for them on behalf. They had a program called Trep Start at Google about a month ago, and I did the keynote address. And I'm in there meeting kids that have made a million dollars in STEM Plus, doing very simple things like you know it's not groundbreaking, earth-shattering apps, but what they had was the exposure to it. And the room of the kids that were there being exposed that day were all mostly Hispanic and African-American kids. The kids that were presenting were of all races, Indian, black, white, Asian. It was very, very empowering because what they did that day, they basically had the kids sit and ideate. They had to sit and just come up with ideas around uh, issues, problems, and ideas in their school or their community. And what would they use to create an app to solve it? And they spent a whole day at Google doing this with people that do this full time. And it was so mm. powerful. And I thought to myself, like, you know, kids that never had thought in their wildest imagination this was something they could do, and, and they're doing it now, and they're getting their hands on it. And those kids, like you said, um, I think Xavier said it, we've now changed the paradigm. We've now just impacted the next 10 years of those kids' lives mm-hmm. by, by, by that one experience. What we have to do is take that experience and begin to magnify it. We need to, we need to you know, have that happening in every school district and every system throughout the country so we can, again, increase that exposure and do what we talked about, breaking down those, those perceived barriers because they're really just perception. Um, you can learn a lot of what we're talking about now for free. Code Academy. <sighs> Con. Cold Cannon, yes. Yeah, you can go on if you want to pay for it. A, a Team Treehouse. I mean, there's so many different programs out there that will teach you the foundational principles of STEM and how to how to get involved um, early on. And, and it's very easy. They make it's very paced and easy to learn. It's not you know overly complex. It's just you know getting in. And if you you don't have a computer, go to the library. I mean, like yeah. I, I talk to kids all the time. Go get started. Get active. Get involved. I, and he's he's so right. I use Code Academy in my classroom. It's a free app. It's a free web based um, uh, service, so to speak, where all you need is a Gmail account. You're also connected with other students in a forum where you can pick other students' brains. Like I'm not one of those elitist teachers where I want you to learn it my way. I just want you to learn. Like if you get it right. from another teacher, and it makes sense for you. Great. If you get it from a white teacher, and it makes sense for you. Great. My role is to let you know, like. You do have a social and a communal responsibility, period. Mm-hmm. Like, period. People often say, like, Sam, why don't you go work for Google and, and Microsoft or something of that nature? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good at this. I'm not great. I'm going to be realistic with myself. But my my role in this um, in this journey is to make certain that as many bra- black and brown youth as possible know that, oh, there are people like you in this industry and we're thriving, so I need you to get on board. Because as far as, like, nursing, uh, policemen, you know, doc, things of that nature, we don't make up 20% of any industry, of any industry. So I need you guys to recognize that it's by design we don't heal ourselves, police ourselves, create games mm-hmm. that feature people that look like us, create apps that speak to speak to us, like, 
it's, it's, it was a young black person who came up with, it's, it's an app that lets you know, like, sneaker release dates, something as simple as that. Like, it doesn't have, like, like, like one of the gentlemen said, it doesn't have to be, like, groundbreaking or something of that nature, but recognize that what you have to offer, the way you think, there's a market for that, and you can uh, uh, become, you can become a, 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 a very rich person that can nobly contribute to your people. Let me let me interject. I, I I I agree. I, I guess what I'm what I'm asking for the both and. Um, I think that it is important to invest in young people, uh, and I think that you know, as an educator myself, of course, I believe that. <laughs> um, I, I work with young people, um, but when I look at the state of you know the communities that we inhabit. Um, we're essentially saying with each, gen- with each with each successive generation where we say invest in the youth, we are saying put off for 10 years um, our, our, our next iteration of success. Um, and when we do that, it's, 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 um, I think it's undercutting us a bit. Um, it's not that we should not invest in the youth, but we also have to simultaneously invest in the adults. In the same way when I say it's mm-hmm. not that we should – we should look away from profit, but we need to look at the social profit as well as the financial profit simultaneously, not concurrently. Mm-hmm. Because the current mm-hmm. model that it has existed, whether that be for program delivery for social services or to educate young people to, to be able to fulfill the jobs in the information age, uh, or uh, build businesses, we always look at things sequentially, and that gets us where we're at. I, I agree that adults learn differently and that they have, you know, just the mind. You look at the physiology of the brain, of course, we know, you know, it, it is much harder to teach an adult than it is a young person. But I also see things like Khan Academy as an, as, as an example de jour, so to speak, of how we can look at education differently. Um, the innovation that happens around, especially within the STEM fields, especially in tech, um, that, that look at opportunities and they put in something that closes the gap. That level of innovation is what I'm asking for when we look at educating uh, adults. I don't think right, that adults right. cannot be educated. I think that the educational, the methodology, the pedagogy of education is not sufficient to change the tide for retraining of adults. But that is not to say that their brains are inelast- so inelastic they, that they can't learn. And they can't learn quickly enough to be able to capture certain things. I'm not saying that you said that, that they can't. But I think that what you're, you're talking about is, a, is an argument of the odds and saying, like, it's easier to do that with a young person, which I absolutely agree with. Um, but I think that right now the, the preponderance of, of effort is being put on young people. Um, and I right. think that's, that's fair and that's important. However, if we want payouts in the next five years, in the next two years, we need to look at people who are 20 years old, 30 years old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old. Who, who are looking for a career change or looking for an opportunity, um, and they're hungry too, and they can learn mm-hmm. too, but we need to think about how we look at education, not just for someone who's 18 or under, but looking at the continuing education model and, and starting to shift those to capture the existing workforce, especially in the black and brown communities where you have some communities that's like, I mean, you know, average age might be like 40-something years old. Um, and, and unemployment rates are three to four times higher than they are for non-blacks. Uh, you know, so, so we have this opportunity here um, that we don't seize because of this, this, this assumption of inelasticity of the brain, which I think is, is, 
is I, I think it's scientifically true, but you know, innovation never really cares about the realities of today. They're about what the reality could be tomorrow and how do we get there. Um, so I think that we have to look at that opportunity and, and seize it and think very differently. Man, the way you um, articulated that, that that's that's great. I've, um, you know, I've, that is that I have now gained perspective, and I appreciate that. You know, there's like the there are examples that of that too that that are already working. You know, if you look at Europe, which uh, effectively looks at those displaced young people between the ages of 18 and 25, or even up to 26, 27, it's a very successful program in getting these kids, and not even kids, young young adults um, that are kind of lost in that space. There's other programs through the YWCA where they have this. Yeah. Uh, Genexis 3D program where they train you on how to do mobile app development. And, you know, the class is comprised of people making career switches, older, 30-plus. So you see it and you see it, it that it does work um, and that the engagement of those people in those classes, um, both in Europe and uh, which is a paid program and the 3D program, which is a program that was free, um, it works. And, it, it, and so, again, it's just expansion of that. Because you're right, I think that that is the that is the the, the the you know the gold mine of resource are those people and individuals that that are ready and and willing to do something different. Uh, my my health my IT experience started in healthcare. I was healthcare IT. I go to these conferences and I'm the only African American at you know Executive War College or you know one uh, less than one percent at Hims where it's a, a you know sixty to a hundred thousand people there and we're less than one percent represented in the space of all of this opportunity and money and innovation. And, again, it goes back to, it, we, you know, if we're waiting on grabbing our kids, which we need to do too, they're in high school, you know, or, or grade school. We're 10, 20 years out from that, you know, making that, that impactful shift. But we have to go mm-hmm. get the people now that may be lab techs, that may be, you know, MAs, maybe nurses that are willing and able to learn what they need to learn to be, you know, registered healthcare information architects or uh, security mm-hmm. experts or working in, you know, in this space because that's where uh, we can make our greatest gains most immediately by people that are willing to, to do the work and have the capacity to learn it. Yeah. That's yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, when you, look at, when you look at the broadness of a community, really a community, not just a subset or a popula- some demographic population within it, um, not just looking at the youth, the community is comprised of young people, old people, I, I mean elderly people, sorry, um, you know, and, and, and many different types all, all within that. Um, in order to, I guess I'm, I'm about capturing the whole. Um, and so when I look at how do we capture the whole, how do we create opportunities for all, um, and I want, that, I want that now. You know, I, I, I'm, I always remember Stokely Carmichael up at the mic, mic talking about, you know, just yelling in this generation. Um, and I, I always reference back to that because I, I used to be the next generation. I'm 30 years old. I used to be the next generation. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about the next generation. And two generations ago, Stokely Carmichael was saying, in this generation, because people were telling him, you're the next generation. And we keep doing this. We keep pushing forward and saying the next generation. Um, and we, because we're, we're only looking at capturing a part of the village, a part of the community. And it's the mm-hmm. part of the community that is perhaps the least blemished and has the most opportunity, which is often mm-hmm. and all, always the youth. Um, yeah. But I just, I, I've, just, I've just been meeting so many hungry adults 
who are looking for opportunity and look and they know this is the information age. They know they're falling behind. They know that they don't have the skills to keep up. But they have perhaps like even, you know, tonight talking with one of my cousins, like, you know, X, I got plenty of time. Is there anything you need help with? Like we have these massive unemployment rates in the black mm-hmm. community. People over eighteen are sitting. They are sitting. That is that is I mean, when you talk about opportunity that's labor, right? The fact, four fact, economic factors of, of production in the Western right. capitalism. Land, labor, capital, entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is what we always push, right? Um, mm-hmm. Labor is, is what we have of ourselves, right? We can, we can use our labor to gain wages. Land we may not have. Capital we may not have. But we have our bodies to work, and we have the ability to use our minds to build something that doesn't exist. And so if we look at these, these blemished and sometimes blighted communities, what they can grasp of the factors of production are, ex- are entrepreneurship and their own labor. Right. Let's use those things that exist right now, um, but we have to use them broadly and look at the full spectrum of the people who inhabit these communities. And, I mean, essentially what you're talking about is lifting up families rather than mm-hmm. lifting up the children only. Um, and, I, and I know that that's more of a social argument than it is a STEM argument. But like I said, like I, you know, my work and my life is, is about trying to, to push forward this idea that we actually can do these things at the same time. Mm-hmm. We can. We can, we, can, we can talk about a strategy that encompasses an, a, a 15-year-old at Blue 1647 and a 30-year-old who's trying to figure out how he can get the merchandise mark to go to 1847, right, mm-hmm. and, and, and putting them together at the same time perhaps even. I don't know. Um, I'm not. I'm not in the field. I'm not smart enough for that. You know, that's what y'all do. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a macro guy. I'm a macro thinker. That you know, I, I look at things from up high and I say these things could probably work over here and over there, and let's bring them together over here. Um, and I leave everyone else to be a specialist. Um, but I think that there's a ton of opportunity out here in the world. Um, but outside of just opportunity, there's a need for us to think differently about this, regardless of whether the opportunity is there or not. Which I'm saying it is. But there's also a need for us to look at this and to go away from the, 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 the traditional path of the next generation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like a politically a politically correct way to pass the buck, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean it's, it's easy to it's easy to latch on because it's it's kids. I mean you I mean we look at I'm going on a on a very big tangent here, but you look at you know what drives social change. It's, it's you know what drove the the, the, the paradigm around refugees in Syria and Italy, it's, it's the body of a child washing up on the shore. That's you know, true. forget about the hundreds of thousands of people who've traveled by boat who are adults. But the, to look at opportunity drowned is something that stirs us. And so we have to look at that, right? But we also have to kind of put a hand up to that because what it does is it numbs us to the understanding of the importance of those who are ready and able capable today. Because for long-term vision and long-term effect, we actually have to do something for today. All right. You know what, you guys? I totally... And i got to move. i got to move, y'all. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah. i got to roll. Thanks. All right. We only have five more minutes left in the show. So we're clearly going to have to do a part two to this. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. You think a part two? Yeah, I want to start a school with you brothers, like, for real. <laughs> okay. I'm, let's do it. 
<laughs> All right, so I'm going to go across the whole panel, and I'm going to ask you guys to quickly, because you only got like one minute, to summarize uh, whatever your thoughts are, and hopefully you can let us know what your idea or your vision for a solution for this problem is. So I'm going to start with Rock. Yeah, yeah. no, I think, um, you know, um, I learned a lot on this call, you know, and not being, um, I guess you say, entrenched in, you know, the everyday of, hey, I'm talking to kids who are struggling and dealing with these problems kind of kind of sets me apart and um, I'm removed from that. So I learned a lot today. You know, I think um, as we think about um, the two things that we identified as, as crucial keys for us to be successful in this, you know, giving more um, exposure and then as far as motivation and setting examples, I think for me, you know, just owning that responsibility and continue to tell that story and continue to do things like this and continue to do things like um, and well, in, in the community to evangelize about, you know, what I'm doing and showing what's possible for our community. Oh, that was perfect. All right, Jeff? Uh, I think I think the call, we hit a lot of it on the head, um, continuing mm-hmm. to be. I, I, whatever it is right now for the African-American community, it is important that we do something. Mentor, uh, get involved, start a business, get up, get active, if you, you, you may not be a protester, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to go on too far of a tangent. I won't do that today. Um, but get involved. And if it's in STEM, mm-hmm. you know, get on Khan Academy. Get your child on Khan Academy. Get your mom on Khan Academy or code, mm-hmm. code.org. Let's get out here. Let's visit the incubators in our communities and understand what's going on and what classes are being offered. And let's get involved and, and, and push the agenda to help each other and build each other. Um, I'll leave it there, and I'll wait for part two uh, to add more. Oh, yeah. All right, Sam. I just want to take this uh, opportunity to thank you, brothers, because I know, like, you guys are working hard just like I am, and sometimes it feels thankless, and sometimes we don't get uh, we don't get an opportunity for uh, the media like Jessica Lynch has provided for us to, to, to showcase our thoughts and to showcase our frustrations, our ires, and our strategies to improve our community. Uh, you know, the media uh, likes to perpetuate this, 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 this narrative that, you know, all the men are uninvolved, all the men don't care. But to, to be invited to have a panel to discuss, um, you know, our goals, our plans, our hopes for our people on the Thanksgiving Day, man, I'm thankful for that. Mm. Like yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to gain perspective from you, black men, and 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 for, that's where I'll leave it, and I'll wait for part two as well. All <laughs> right, Xavier. Um, what hasn't been said? Um, <laughs> uh, I think I think that that part of it is this: it's the it's the uh, the bringing together of minds, not always just like minds. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that it's about the the exposure in its least common denominator form um, and, and making an on-ramp, knowing that, you know, STEM is, STEM is so daunting for some people. You know, when you talk to a 14-year-old who reads at second-grade reading level, talking about STEM can be absolutely daunting, and that's why I think that, you know, really pushing forward with getting folks who have incredible fluency in these topics and in this work to break it down in layman terms and do what see what Khan did, what Sal Khan did with Khan Academy, and simplifying mm-hmm. things to the masses. Um, but stepping outside of just math right? um, right. and looking at these things, Code Academy, like you all said. Um, but let's let's keep looking. Let's keep exploring how to simplify these things and de-stratify the complexity and sometimes just like the eliteness 
of of this mm-hmm. stuff, and so people mm-hmm. know that it's accessible, um, mm-hmm. and 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 do that for young people, but also let's really really think about how we can create these on ramps uh, for the eighteen and over crowd. Mm. This has been yet another amazing episode of JL Radio. Thanks for listening. We aren't all about talk, but we focus on action. Take what you've learned from this podcast. Go out and be the change that you actually want to see in your hood. If you need an outlet, feel free to join the team at at the Jessica LaShawn Foundation. I'm Jessica LaShawn. Thank you guys so much. Everybody give a a verbal wave to everybody. I don't know how you do Wave. That. Wave. Right. Wave. All right, thanks. Have I'm a thing. I'm using them both hands. Bye. <laughs> That's precious. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good night. All right. You gentlemen, it was a pleasure. Young lady, it was a pleasure. Always. All right, go eat some more turkey. Bye-bye. <laughs>